key point number two. We're halfway through, right? Key point number two. Do everything you can to share Jesus. Do everything you can to share Jesus. Let's pick back up verse 11. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now, let's pause really brief right there. Did you hear that? What did they think? They, they were what? I told you already, you know, up to this point, they were excited about going to Jerusalem. Why? Because they were thinking there's something different about this trip. We've been to Jerusalem before, but there's something different. You know, Jesus is talking different. Jesus is saying these things. We don't know what he's saying, but we know he's talking different. If something's going on, something's going to happen in Jerusalem and what do they anticipate? They're thinking that what's going to happen is that Jesus is going to now do what? Overthrow the Roman government. He's now going to step in as king of kings and lord of lords. And he is going to establish his, his earthly reign. And the king is going to rule the whole world in Jerusalem. That's what they're thinking. Look, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem. And because they thought... The kingdom of God would appear immediately. They're waiting on it. They're anticipating it. They're anticipating the Messiah to set up his earthly kingdom. Let's keep going. Verse 12. Therefore Jesus said, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten, ten minas or minas, either one, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your mina has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little. Have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten minas. But they said to him, Master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Now let's pause. Before we move too quickly, if you've been in church for a while, 
you might be familiar with what the gospel according to Matthew calls the parable of talents. And we read through this and we go, ah, this is, this is the same parable, right? And you think, ah, the parable of the meaning is parable of the talents. Uh, they, they are very similar for sure. In fact, many times the parable of the talents overshadows this one. Um, you can go into uh, commentaries and uh, commentaries. A lot of times the commentator will write something like, see the parable of the talents and see my notes from Matthew. And then you go over to Matthew and you read the parable of the talents. Now, I can't complain too much because I've done the same thing in my own uh, book on parables. Um, because that's our tendency, right? We go, hey, there's similarities in this parable and this parable. They must be very, you know, they're basically putting the same thing. However, I want us to, to make a couple of observations that set this parable uh, in, Matthew, in uh, Luke 19 apart from the one in Matthew. What is the difference between this parable and the parable of the talents? Well, let's have some audience participation. Let me ask you this. How many servants were mentioned in Matthew's parable of the talents? Anybody know? How many servants were mentioned in Matthew's parable of the talents? There were three. All right? How many servants were mentioned here? Ten. So that's our first difference. Now, you're going like, wait a second, only three of them he called three. Well, there could have been more, in the, uh, more to the parable. He was making his point with three, but there were ten initial servants. There were ten. Here's my next question. Did all of the servants in the parable of the talents receive the same amount of talents? No. In the parable of the talent, you know, you've got, you've got like five, three, one. You've got one guy who did what? He received a lot more than the second guy did. And then the second guy received more than the third guy did. And it says in Matthew that each of them received the talent according to their ability. So they received something based upon their own ability. Something within them, something that is given to them, their abilities. Let me ask this. Did all the servants receive the same amount of minas? Yeah. There were ten servants. He had ten minas, and he gave one to each one. Just one. One per person. That was it. So in light of these nuances, in light of these differences, we have to ask ourselves this question. What is the primary lesson of each? What is the primary lesson? What is it that is, keep in mind, what's a parable? Earthly story, heavenly truth. What is the primary spiritual lesson that's trying to be taught? Because if we're not careful, the earthly story is the same for both. But the spiritual story is completely different for the two. So here's what I mean by that. In the parable of the talents, the parable of the talents is about stewardship of your spiritual gifts. Not all of us have the same spiritual gifts. Some have more, some have less. We all have different amounts. And at the end of the day, the Lord is going to do what? He's going to say, what did you do with what I've given you? The abilities that I've given you, what did you do with those gifts? How did you use those for the kingdom and glory of God? So the parable of the talents is about stewardship of, of gifts, our talents, our abilities, our, our spiritual gifts. What did we do with those? 
Each person is given a different amount as the Holy Spirit discerns. So, therefore, in the parable of the talents, one guy gets five, one guy gets three, one guy gets one, but each one of them is going to do with it as, as they feel led. They're going to be a steward of that. What's being done here? The parable of the minas is a stewardship of the gospel. The parable of the minas is a stewardship of the gospel. Why? There is only one gospel. One gospel. And if you gather 10 people together, I can get, share the gospel with you, and I can share the gospel with you, and I can share the gospel with you, and 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 you. And we do what? I, can, I share the gospel with you. And then you are a steward of the gospel. We can share the gospel with each individual. So, listen to it again. Listen to verse 13. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. What's the Christian's business? What's our business? Share the gospel. That's what our business is. Our business is to do what? Make much of Jesus. To focus on Jesus. That's our business. He says, you do business till I come back. You make sure the gospel is known. I am giving to you one gospel. I'm going to place it into your hands, and I want you to do business with that gospel. I want you to do something with it. Okay? So here's the deal. That's our business. Unfortunately, not everyone accepts the gospel, do they? Look at verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. Hmm. They don't, they, what is, they don't have anything to do with Jesus. They're rejecting the gospel. They are rejecting the gospel. They're saying, I don't, want, I don't want Jesus. I don't want to know him as Lord. I don't want him to reign in my life. They're doing what? They're rejecting the gospel. They will not have this man reign over us. Now, as tragic as it is, that many people reject Christ. In this passage, we see in this parable that Jesus is sharing, there is yet another tragedy, a great tragedy. And this is someone who fully understood the gospel, someone that had the gospel explained to them, but they never did anything with it, even in their own life. Listen to it again, verse 20. Then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. I didn't do anything with it. I heard the gospel. I didn't do anything with it. I just put it away. Why? For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. What? You're, so... Not only did he have an understanding of the gospel, he understood a little bit about the master, but he still didn't do anything with the gospel. He didn't do anything with it. What, what did he do? He said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. 
He's like, you know these things. You, you have an understanding of who Jesus is. You have an understanding of the gospel. You didn't do anything. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? What's the most basic thing you can do with the gospel? Accept it. This guy didn't even do the most basic thing with Amina. He was like, why didn't you do the most basic thing and just take it and put it in a bank? So that when I come, at least I can, I can at least, at least you would be saved. At least that would be the case. At least you responded to the gospel. You didn't do anything with it. You didn't even respond. The most basic thing that we can do with the gospel is accept it. So this guy had all the information, right? Had all the information about the gospel. He understood the gospel. He was in uh, places where he heard the gospel, but he never did anything with it. Then look at verse 26. Verse 26, for I say to you that everyone who has will be given. Everyone who has will be given. What do they have? <laughs> what do they have? What will they be given? What do you have? What are they given? They have accepted the gospel message. And they're given eternal life to do what? Rule and reign with Christ. What do they do? The guy said, listen, you, you gave the gospel to me, and I went out and made that gospel known, and the gospel was multiplied. In fact, there's other people, and he says, you know what? You're going to rule and reign with me over, what, ten cities, over five cities. You're going to rule and reign. That's, 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 the etern- that's the kingdom that's coming. That's the kingdom of God that's coming, the one that everybody else is anticipating and waiting on. One day it is coming, and those who have responded to the gospel will rule and reign with Christ. Pick back up, verse 26, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Again, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So the same questions, right? What does he not have? And what was taken away? I mean, those are legitimate questions. What does he not have? Well, it's my understanding from reading this passage, he does not have salvation as a result of the gospel. That's what he doesn't have. What was taken away? Well, you can't, you can't take away something you don't have, right? You don't have something, you can't take it away from them. So it's not like he was saved and he says, I'm taking away your salvation. You can't take away something a person doesn't have. So what does it say? And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. You hear it? It's not, he's not taking the gospel away from him. He's not taking salvation away from him. He's saying, look, even what you think you have, everything that you do have, you're going to lose it. You've lost it. What, he loses everything. He loses everything. Don't just lose salvation. He never had the salvation to lose. But you know what he did have? Anything he did have in this world, it's gone. 
So what about us? What about us? How are we supposed to respond to all of this? Well, the two commands are clear. Two commands are clear. First, do everything that you can to see Jesus. Right? Do everything that you can. Every single day is going to present itself with new opportunities to see Jesus at work in your life. We can spend our days overcome by the obstacles. The crowd, ah, that's just too big. Uh, I'm too short. Or we can do what? We can run. We can run with eagerness to see Jesus in the places that we can anticipate seeing him in his word and with other believers. Once we see him, then what do we do? We share him with others. How are you a steward of the gospel? What are you doing to be a steward of the gospel? How are you living out the gospel? How are you living out God's word? Each week we close with with those words with a challenge of, all right, let's go live out the gospel. What does that mean? It means that we don't take what we've heard and hide it in a handkerchief and anticipate something significant happening from it. That's, That's wasteful. It says, at least, at least do something with it. Don't hide it in a handkerchief. Don't bury it in the dirt. Do something with it. When I say go live out the gospel, my very intent is what? You take what God's word has presented and make application to your heart. Don't hide it away. Don't put it in a handkerchief. Don't bury it. Don't put it away for another day. You take it, apply it to your life, and walk out of here, and that's living out the gospel. It means that we don't take what we've heard and hide it. We apply it to our hearts. Why? Because the power of the gospel is not only sufficient to save us. It is sufficient, and the power of the gospel is sufficient to change our lives each and every day. That's the power of the gospel. And that leads me to one last thought. May the gospel help us see Jesus more clearly and share Jesus more boldly. Let's pray.